0: All right, folks, now back when making his seventh appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort Guest Line as 2013 Senior Open Champion, and now one of the top instructors in the game, and that's Mark Wiebe. me remind you a little bit more about Mark's background. He's from Seaside, Oregon, and grew up in Escondido, California, played his college golf at Palomar Junior College, and then transferred to San Jose State. While at Palomar, he was the individual medalist at the 1977 California Amateur, and he won the 1977 Idaho Amateur as well. He was named second-team All-American in 1979 while at San Jose State. That season, he and Don Levin won the Silverado Invitational in Napa, California. He turned pro in 1980 and started on the PGA Tour in 83, got his first career win at the 1985 Anheuser-Busch Classic when he beat John Mahaffey with a birdie on the first playoff hole. He won again the following year at the 86 Hardys Golf Classic by one-stroke over Kirk Byron, thanks to a birdie on 17 during the final round. Mark matched Bobby Watkins' record as being the youngest winner on the Champions Tour at 50 years and 10 days old when he won the SAS Championship. 2013, like I say, he won the Senior Open Championship at Royal Birkdale, defeating Bernhard Langer on the fifth playoff hole after a final round 66. Later in 2013, he captured the Pacific Links Hawaii Championship in a playoff over Corey Pavin. In all, he's won eight times as a professional, twice on the PGA Tour, five times on the Champions Tour plus the 1986 Colorado Open. He's now the Director of Instruction at San Jose Country Club in San Jose, California. And I'm very thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you, my friend? Hey, Chris. How you doing, bud? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Mark. So, Mark, as you and I were communicating prior to the show, it's, uh, it's been about five months since we got to have you here. But You've had some good good news good stories going on out there in San Jose catch us up what's been going on with you
1: well there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now the uh we're we're absolutely thriving with the uh inside the ropes in the 70 30 club uh the juniors are making are, are just doing fantastic uh you know it's we we've talked about this before it's it's I'm what I'm sharing with the kids is not a technique or a theory or uh something i read about this is it's more about learning how to shoot lower and that kind of involves a lot of stuff the swing being maybe a small part of that but the rest of it is course management game management short game putting chipping pitching bunkers you know that's that's where you actually lower your score so Helping the kids, uh, develop some nice practice habits and, and focus their time, uh, like, like the, the club stands for about 70% of the time we try to get the kids to work on short game, uh, putting, chipping, pitching, bunkers, flops, you name it, everything there is to do around the green. Uh, and then of course, 30% of the time we do focus on the range and, you know, swing, Type stuff. And, uh, all, all I know is when I, I see these kids going out and shooting lower and, and, and advancing in tournaments and, uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see, uh, that we're doing the right thing. It's kind of great feedback for not only them, but for us too, as, as instructors to, to see some of our kids excel in some areas that, you know, maybe, maybe even them didn't think they'd go this far this fast. So, That's kind of, that's the funnest part of the job, without a doubt. I know funnest is not a word, but um, (laughs) I use it it a lot. Anyway, that's that's kind of really happening right now. Uh, You know, school's getting ready to start, so that's all going to change for the kids, and and it should. You know, schoolwork comes first, and their golf will be kind of more late afternoons and weekends, Um, and we got a lot of kids that are getting ready to, make some decisions on what colleges to go to. And it's an exciting time around uh, San Jose Country Club.
0: And, Mark, as you talk about some of the the things that are the most fun for you now, right, as an instructor, when you're watching these junior players and they're developing their games and they're shooting lower scores, and I'm sure you're whether it's watching them on the practice range or out with a playing lesson or maybe you're, you're, uh, you're seeing some of them play in tournaments, Talk about some of the things that you've seen when you're watching, and you go, yeah, that kid, he's got it. She's got it. That's awesome. Talk about some of the those victories that you feel now as you're watching and living through some of your students.
1: Well, I, I think uh, the, lately, uh, I think I've seen more adversity uh, come up with some of the kids, where, meaning it might be an unbelievable out-of-the-blue triple bogey on a hole to go from shooting under to over and how they responded to that and how they could leave that uh, and not take it with them to the next shot, let alone the next hole, because all that does is make it worse. So, um, but to see them kind of trust that, because we all go through the time that we have a bad hole and you know, I'm 61. It's hard to shake that. I'm, I'm bummed out or mad or something for a while that I just completely botched a hole and, you know, turned a maybe a birdie opportunity into a bogey or whatever the scenario, Uh, you know, you just kind of, uh, it's hard to let that go sometimes. And, um, and the juniors don't have much reference to that. So they don't have looked back and have these experiences about how to deal with certain situations. So I'm trying to help them it's not really a shortcut but I'm trying to share with them the different scenarios and how important it is to get mad get over it don't take that with you for one more second be into this next shot this next hole because this next shot is the most important one of the day and and it continues throughout your round and trying to uh trying to to have them believe that sometimes because they sometimes look at me like, you're a chubby, white-haired guy. What do you know what you're talking about? And uh, so we have our moments that um, I they they see it happening. They see the scenario we talked about, and then seeing them deal with it uh, in a, either way, any way they deal with it, just dealing with it
0: is a thrill to watch that. And one of the things you mentioned a moment ago, Mark, is course management. How do you teach the kids to be patient out on the course? And, and you know, sometimes you just got to take your medicine, right? You've hit a bad shot. You got to take your medicine. You know, make a bogey, walk to the next tee and move on from there. How do you teach them not to let a bogey turn into a double or a triple by trying to play a hero shot or not to, you know, mess up the course management piece and put yourself into, into a deeper, worse situation by trying a shot that you really shouldn't?
1: Well, right. There's a fine line there, you know, because you want, as I don't care what age you are, you want to use your imagination. And if you see a shot and you know it in your heart and in your gut that that's the shot to hit, it's hard to not go with that. On the other hand, I will tell you this, the better you get with your wedges, a la Tom Kite, the better you get with your wedges, is to play a percentage game when you're going up to look at your shot because every shot has a plan. Not you don't just get up and hit. You have to your lie kind of dictates right away. Your lie and swing dictate what your plan is going to be. Do I have a good lie? Is it sitting down on the rough? Is it sitting up? Is it in the fairway? Is it in a divot? Each one has its own plan. So um, you know that's the first and foremost thing. And if you really do. Play golf this way, and it's so hard it's so easy to sit here and talk about it but i I know it i I know this because I know when I had success or anybody I watched have success, this is where they were. They never were bothered it never bothered them a bad shot never bothered them it it It's like it didn't happen so I think it in their minds it didn't happen almost and and in my mind, when I was in that level of it doesn't matter that I hit it over there because now I'm going to hit it over here and then I'll chip it up and make a putt. What's the big deal? So it's that mentality that if we can get um, – I'm telling the juniors all the time, if you're the same talent-wise as the one next door to you, your guys are exactly the same, how are you going to beat that person? And the answer is 100% mental. So we spend a lot of time on – thoughts and situations and what would you think? And does it matter that you just made a triple? Does it matter that you just made an eagle? Does it matter? Does it change your game plan? Do you stick, stay the course? Um, and then again, each shot has a plan. So, I mean, if we can get this down to where we're really thinking about the game as a game, like if you and I just decided to play this silly game of golf, how would we do it? We wouldn't start off by thinking about swing thoughts and rotate your forearms and make sure at the top the club does this. We'd be trying to hit the ball as straight and far as we could, however we did it, And trying to get that across in this day and age of track men and flight scope and quad pro and teachers that teach stuff that you go, whoa. You know, that's a lot. So I'm kind of trying to be that guy, I guess. Um, I just teach by my experience and my, and things I've been through. And I tell the kids all the time, this is not something I made up. This is something I learned from people. You don't know their names. Ben Crenshaw, <laughs> Fuzzy Zoller, you know, Tom Kite, uh, Raymond Floyd. I mean, it, the list goes forever. So Dave Stockton, Hubert Green, these these are the guys that taught me how to really play golf as a professional. So um, I didn't make this stuff up. This is all it's all good stuff. It's all for the it's great for the kids because they don't have that anywhere. So it's kind of nice to. Uh, and then of course I'm I'm a total nag on putting because I thought like, you know, whenever I played good in a tournament or had my wins, it wasn't because I was hitting it farther than everyone else or hitting it closer because I putted better than everybody else in the tournament. So let's start caring about our putting just just a little bit more than normal. So that's my big... So, there's a, lot to,
0: so there's a lot to get to on what you just said, Mark. And I, I want to start with, with, you mentioned some of the great players in the history of golf there a moment ago. Who are some of the guys that you played with that bad shots never bothered them? Well...
1: Without a doubt, the best, the one I use as an example, even though the kids, some of them know him, some of them don't, that Tom Watson is the best I've ever seen in my life, ever. There's no close second. He, he is amazing. I mean, I, I've been out with him when he's hit. Every single shot he hits is perfect. And then I've been out with him when there's not a perfect shot even resemble a perfect shot out of his bag. And I promise you, I think the score was pretty close, and so was his demeanor. And I, I just was, I couldn't believe it because, you know, I had watched him before I got on tours. I, I teased him a little bit and said, hey, I, when I was a kid, I used to watch, him, I watch everything about it. Don't miss a beat. And I watched him so many times playing with him, especially that I, uh, he's the toughest guy I've ever seen. I can't believe he's not bothered. And, and if he is, and how could he not be? Because that was the dumbest double bogey I've ever seen in my life he just made. But you, it's over. It's over. And it's an awesome thing to watch. I got to tell you, it's one of my coolest stories. I share that with the kids a lot.
0: And Mark, you talked about wedge play and how wedge play can get you out of a, a bad shot or you save par. Talk about lie and, and and wedge choice and how we know which which wedge we should be pulling based on the lie of the ball. And and uh, you know where we're trying to chip it up to. How do we know if we got the right one?
1: Well, there's times that you're limited with your choice because, if, let's say, if you're in a divot and, and if there is an obstacle in between you and the hole that you need to elevate the ball, you're, you're, you know, good luck. It's a different plan than if you were sitting really pretty. Um, so the lie kind of dictates that. But if, if you did have a really good lie you know, we we all pitch differently. Of course, the, the more shallow you are, um, the more vertical the club is at impact, the more you're really using your bounce on your club. So, you know, different softer ground is different bounce. You would need different bounce than harder ground. Um, but the whole story is you're trying to figure out which bounce is right for you so you can have like a zero out fault mode that you're in this is how i when i hit a pitch this is how i hit it with this club um to know which bounce um is right for you and that that's why i'm i have a, a lot of the juniors trying to have different bounces on their 60 or 58 degree than on their 54 or 52 degree i guess it is um so you if you You may have different lofts, but you also have different bounces according to the lie. You're going to need different bounce for different lie situations. It's hard to pick a generic one because I don't think they, for each person, if it says 12 and you and I went out to hit pitches with the same exact sand wedge that had 12 degrees bounce, you might think a little differently than I do as that feel because your bottom might be in a little different spot than mine. So we, it might be the exact same wedge and we might look semi similar to hitting the shot, but the bounce will be affected, uh, differently by both of us, just the way we come into the ball. Just that's how individual it is. I can tell you this. I'm a huge believer in bounce. I don't like no bounce. I like bounce on irons, all my irons, not just my wedges.
0: So Mark, one of the other things you talked about was putting. And I wanted to get your thoughts on putting because I saw one of, one of the great videos that you have out there earlier this summer. I know you were working with your uh, junior students on four-foot putts. What's a, what's a good way for us to make sure that we are more consistently sort of making those knee knockers so we're not kicking ourselves as we walk off the green having two-putted from four feet?
1: Right. Well, you know, there's a couple things. Mentally, uh, you need to hit the putt like you're trying to make it. You can't wish it in or hope that it goes well. You have to hit it like you're trying to make the putt. That's A. Um, You need to realize that on a four-foot putt, I I mean, sometimes you have to break it down very simple. On a four-foot putt, how how far back should your putter travel on a backstroke? On a four-foot putt, you know, it could be some people might say four inches, six inches, eight inches. All I know is it's not very far because – if your putter goes back further on a 10-footer and shorter on a 5-footer, than on a 4-footer, it's even shorter yet. So I think when I remember playing on the, the pro-ams, most amateurs had longer strokes. And I thought, why why are you taking such a long stroke on a 4-foot putt? Because it's only going to lead to a deceleration when you'd rather have a shorter stroke, seemingly, that would accelerate into the ball and send it on its way. So I, <clears throat> that would be my first go to is we don't need a whole bunch of stuff going on on a four footer. You could take the putter back three inches behind the ball, set it on the ground, stop, pause, and then go through, and you'd make it. You could take it back three inches, set it on the ground, stop, and then go through, and you'd make a four footer time after time. So, I think we put a little too much into these perfect strokes that everybody seemingly thinks we have to make and less into aiming and making contact.
0: Mark, one more before I let you go. And like I mentioned in your intro, you defeated Bernard Longer in a playoff six years ago to win the Senior Open Championship. You won that event on a two-day playoff. You you kind of finished almost in the dark uh, on Sunday, had to go to Monday, to, to win the event, four more holes that morning. What was it like sleeping on that lead, knowing you had to get up in the morning and it, uh, it's sudden death at that point? How do you deal with that?
1: Well, uh, actually, we had played, let me see, we had played two holes, and I, I talked him into playing one more because I thought this might be my only shot to win. Bernie wins everything, so I thought, I better take my, well, I have a shot, I better take it. Uh, unfortunately, we tied, so we had to to sleep in, but I can tell you this, I was on the phone with my wife, who was then next to my son, who was home, and he was on the phone with whoever trying to get my flight switched around, because I was supposed to leave Monday to go to Minneapolis, so I needed to have my whole thing changed, because I wasn't going to make that Monday flight, so I was up so late that finally my wife and my son talked me into going to sleep, which good luck with that because I had some adrenaline going on. I'm confused. I had to unpacked, unpack, 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 and then iron and unpack, and then I got up, and then I just, it was kind of a blur. I think I slept a couple hours, but all I know is when I woke up in the morning, I thought, you know what, I'm ready to do business. I tied him twice. I can win this tournament. I, I need some luck. There's no doubt. This Bernie is like one of the, are you kidding me? He's one of the all-time ever's. So, uh even before his champions uh tour record, he was already there. so you know, I took a little good grace, and I think it was maybe my turn and uh I was it was a it was a as looking back, it was a fun night to sleep. I'm not so sure how much I slept. <laughs> no doubt.
0: Mark, remind our listeners how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media.
1: Well, um, you know, I my my the best way to get a hold of me ever is markweebygolf.com. That's my website. It's got all my emails and uh things we're doing with the seventy thirty club if you're a junior. Uh just quickly just so everyone knows. As much as we love our stay here and have loved our stay, we are moving in about two months, and we're gonna relocate in arizona and As soon as I know, I'm gonna take my seventy thirty club and it's going with me. It's right in my back pocket and uh we're gonna start a new program down in arizona and as soon as I know where that is, I would love to share that with you so please I'll be with you to our next conversation for sure.
0: Absolutely. That's exciting news. Good for you. Look forward to having you back on the show, Mark, and talk all about it. That's awesome.
1: Give me an excuse to get
0: back on here with you. (laughs) Indeed. Mark, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Always a a lot of fun having you as part of the show. I I look forward to uh, hearing all about Arizona and having you back on the show again real soon.
1: That's awesome, Chris. Thanks so much,
0: bud. All right. Take care, Mark. All the best to you and your family. That is Mark Wiebe. And uh, again, Mark Wiebe Golf, W-I-E-B-E, markwiebegolf.com is, uh, is his website. Look forward to hearing all about the move to Arizona and the great things he's doing there. And always so much fun having Mark as part of the show. Uh, hopefully, like I say, we get that news again and have him back real soon.